everyone. Welcome to my weekly show. I'm Father Roderick, and you are listening to this show because, well, you're probably just like me, locked up at home, unable to leave, working from home, trying to manage the kids, and you just need one hour to step away from it all. So that's what I invite you to do. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And this episode, just like all the other episodes and all the other stuff that I produce, is made possible thanks to my supporters, my patrons. And I want to mention a couple of them by name just to give you an idea who is part of that very valuable community that helps me do this. And today I want to thank Nick, GP Watson, Julia, James, Kenneth, HP Groeneveld, that's a very Dutch name, Floris, Pat and Ron, we know each other among, for a long... We've, we've known each other for a long time, but we've seen each other in Rome and uh, spent a wonderful week there. I so wish I could go back in time and relive that experience. Thomas, John, Samuel, Shannon, TV Rewind, Kelly, Allison, Philip, and Familia Napuri. Thank you so much for your support. And I have a little surprise for all of you that are part of my Patreon community. Um, today, I will start a new show, especially for you. It's a continuation of the podcast, a special podcast that I record on a weekly basis. But this is going to be a little bit more, I don't know, meaty. There's going to be more meat on the bones. Um, and it is actually the maximum amount of topics that, uh, that, I, that I can give you on a weekly basis. So the regular show will still be about an hour long, but there is almost always so much more that I can't mention in the show because, well, I'm, I'm kind of wordy and I, I run out of time. Um, but I'm going to give you the full Father Roderick experience if you're a patron with this second show that is called Father Roderick to the Max. And that's exactly what it is. Like it, I, I'm going to squeeze myself like a lemon <laughs> and give you all the topics, all the stuff that's going on. And sometimes also I will expand upon topics that I can only kind of talk about briefly in the regular show. And I'll go much more in-depth in Father Roderick to the max. So if you would like to listen to that show and at the end of this show, I'll still mention. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll mention briefly what I'm going to talk about in Father Roderick to the Max this week. If you're interested and you want to check it out, well, join the patrons. You can already join uh, the community of patrons for just two dollars and fifty cents per month. That's per month, right? That's not per show. It's per month. So you get everything you already get, and you get Father Roderick to the Max and. Uh, also a very fun community to um, exchange ideas and keep me going. So, all that uh, if you become a patron over at patreon.com slash fatheroderick. Do you know what's going on? This is what's happening in your world. Face it, Catholics rule. We got Boston, South America, the good part of Ireland, and we're making serious inroads in Mozambique, baby. You've taken your first step into a larger world. So I hope you are all feeling good and are healthy and that you're not affected by the virus, even though life has changed for almost all of us uh, greatly, and that takes, a, uh, takes up a lot of energy. I'm thankful that I'm feeling good today. Yesterday, I was really worried. I felt so terrible. I had a headache. I felt, felt a bit feverish. I was coughing. Not the stuff you want to experience in these times of corona because they match the symptoms of 
you know, someone who's been infected with the, with the virus. And that's always a possibility, even though I stay at home uh, as much as I can. Every once in a while, I do have to leave the house. I have to go to the supermarket. Um, sometimes I, there are people that I have to um, uh, talk with in, to organize the masses that we stream from, from here. So there's always a small but real possibility that I will still get infected. We're not in total lockdown in the Netherlands. Um, so I was a little bit uh, nervous, even though I've had this coughing for for about two or three weeks now. So and 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 nothing has changed. I've never had a fever. Even yesterday, I didn't really have a fever, even though I felt I felt a bit tired and strange. And so I went to bed super early, slept in this morning. And I feel super fine right now. Now, of course, with the coronavirus, that can it, it, it sometimes appears very quickly and people show very rapid decline. But I'm feeling much, much better than the previous few days. So, yeah, I don't think that <laughs> there's something wrong. But uh, it's, it's probably something that we all have. Like, we're, we're so worried because it's in, an invisible enemy, uh, we hear all these stories. Um, so you're kind of much more aware of how you're feeling than, than normally. Um, and uh, since I feel so good today, I've decided, well, yeah, I'm going to just push it a little bit more in terms of healthy living, eating better, counting my calories, praying more regularly. I just want to see if I can use this uh, this time of social distancing um, to to really improve my health and uh, to bring back a certain structure to my life. I talk about that at length in this week's episode of The Walk, if you haven't listened to that already, um, because I think that, that we, we kind of all um, fell in the trap of, well, hey, we, uh, we work from home, so I can sit in my pajamas all day long. Even if I have a like a Skype meeting, I'm still sitting in my pajamas. I just put on a nice shirt or or a jacket for the upper part of my body. And then you have to make sure that you don't forget that your camera is switched off when you leave the room to go to the bathroom. Because <laughs> otherwise, everybody will see what's going on. But um, it, it, these first two weeks were really hectic and strange and we're adapting. And I, <laughs> I really feel for the parents among you uh, that have to not only maybe figure out new ways to work from home, but also have to manage the zoo <laughs> with the kids also trying to adapt. So these are trying times. But after two weeks now, I feel it's it's uh, this is a good moment to catch myself before I fall in even greater disarray and and build up build in structure in my life and uh, and especially focus on eating healthy. I'm very glad now that I have this treadmill up on in the attic because now I can, no matter what uh, what uh, what's going on outside of the walls of this rectory, I can run and I can stay fit. So, uh, in other news, things are still very much in flux here in the Netherlands. Uh, we're trying to to flatten the curve, but or the 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 curve or the curb, no, the curve, um, and it's it's yielding limited results we uh, they keep telling us if we had not taken all these strict measures of social distancing it would be much worse the thing is uh we're still seeing this ongoing you know hundreds of people uh per day that are uh, uh, admitted to the hospitals 
Um, still about 150 people died today, or we're reported to have died because, of course, the numbers are always a little bit behind on what's going on in the hospitals. Um, so you do see a certain amount of stabilization, but what we all would like to see is like a diminishing of the trend. But if you look at countries like Spain and Italy, where the rules are even stricter, they have a hard time slowing down the virus. So let alone in, in countries where uh, the rules are much less strict. What we do know after two weeks is that this is not going to be over anytime soon. And life after this will certainly not revert back to normal in, in a few weeks time. We have to really prepare ourselves mentally that uh, life will not be the same, maybe for, for more than a year to come. And uh, the best thing is to just take it as we go. Don't try to panic too much about what your life will be months from now. But uh, see if you can manage this week and next week. Uh, do what you can. We all are going through the same situation. So it's no use um, thinking back, oh, I see that my, my, <laughs> my green screen is getting some trouble because the sun starts to shine outside. Hold on, I, I got to close up. A curtain here. There you go. <laughs> so for those of you that are just listening to the audio, um, I have a green screen behind me, but it's way too small. But thankfully, Ecamm, the software that I use to stream, can can sense can see the the, the edges of the green screen and it will just fills it in. But of course, that entire uh, wizardry is is broken if the sun starts starts to shine and i get like a, a a beam of light straight onto the green screen that is way too uh too bright for the for the software to compensate for it so i had to close that window um still thinking of ways to light this artificially so i can also stream uh, uh you know later at night when there is no sunshine outside because i really need the light for coming from the window right now in order to do a believable green screen so, and at, I stood up briefly so you could tell that I wasn't wearing my pajama trousers. <laughs> I am, though, uh, walking around in, my, in the trousers that, I care, that I'm wearing when I'm going for a, a long walk outside. These are really walking trousers. So the, the, on Sunday morning, I wouldn't wear these trousers. Anyway. <laughs> so um, other things are changing as well. Uh, for me, what had a tremendous impact and also makes me a little bit, uh, well, not worried, that's a big word, but it, 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 I, I need to adapt to this new situation, is that um, Dutch television has uh, basically kicked my show off, the, of the reg off its regular channel. So normally my TV show is aired at around uh, a quarter past four in the afternoon, right after the, the news update. And that's a pretty good place to be at. But because there's so many old, older people um, at home now and they're kind of locked in and they can't leave, they've decided to uh, do lots and lots of uh, reruns of very old TV shows. So shows that these people watched when they were young. And uh, they took the entire afternoon and filled it with this really old stuff. I mean, there's shows that are more than 15 years old that they're on putting on rerun now. And my show was deleted from that time slot, which is very frustrating. 
Um, and it's just temporarily moved to Sunday evening at a quarter to midnight. I'm not kidding you. That is usually when you get like a maximum of 10,000 people watching. So with this podcast, I'm actually reaching more people than with my TV show right now. And, and, and this uh, the, the rerun TV or nostalgia TV uh, does very well, at least right now. Uh, so the numbers are much higher than when we when they did regular shows like my show. Of course, the question is, will this continue to be as successful or is it just because people are are, are checking it out? Um, but if it is, if it continues to be this successful, then I wouldn't be surprised that my show will not be able to return to that time slot. And, and that puts kind of the future of the TV show in jeopardy. So because if this is going to be aired in the future um, around midnight on Sunday evening, and I think that's going to be that's quickly going to be the end of it. So I'm I'm kind of trying to think ahead of uh, you know the developments. I did not see this coming. Nobody saw this coming, uh, but this may have pretty big consequences financially for the future because uh, right now most of what I do uh, I'm financing thanks to the TV show. Yeah, the patrons are um, a very very small percentage of uh, the total amount of. Uh, 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 of, of financial income that I generate for everything else that we produce. Um, so um, I think what the best thing that I could do is probably just continue to build on the international audience. Um, start, you know, pushing out these these English documentaries. And uh, but I, I something tells me that I'm not going to get there with patrons only. I need to find bigger partners. Uh, to work with on an international level. And then we, what I would like to do is to create an income stream that is independent from TV so that if the show returns after the summer, because it, now it's going to be canceled until September, they're going to air these three remaining shows this next Sunday and then the two Sundays afterwards, and then it's all over. Not even reruns anymore. Uh, so that means I'm going to be invisible to a TV-watching audience until September. That's a long time to be absent from people's routine. Uh, normally, we would have reruns for another month and a half. So the, the actual gap between season one and season two during the year is not that big. But um, so, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm a little bit uh, anxious about that. So, okay. What now? It's not that I can easily start new projects in this situation as uh, because normally you know in order to film documentaries you need to go out you need to be able to travel we can't even leave the country right now so uh, a lot of the plans that i had a couple of weeks ago for even for the second half of the year for the tv show i can't realize them right now and who knows if if the situation will return to normal in time for me to realize those plans so anyway constantly adapting just like you i mean i'm not the only one who has to do this and it's just the way it is i mean i, I at first i was a bit shocked and even a little bit angry that they kind of kicked out the show that easily um and replaced it with this just rehashed content from years ago but it's just it's what people need right now it's what they ask for so who am i to tell them that uh things have to be the same everything is changing right now but it does require very inventive thinking. Same is true with the parishes. Uh, right now, we're going to be uh, unable to celebrate Mass 
with our parishioners until and including Pentecost. And I'm pretty sure that that will be the case almost everywhere over the world. Uh, it's bad enough to be to to have to celebrate the Holy Week and Easter alone and just streaming it over the internet. But this may last way longer than we originally thought. What if the the inability to celebrate with parishioners will will go all the way to I don't know late summer or even beyond that? What if it it, it turns out to be too risky to have meetings of more than a few people uh, for for months to come? What what does that mean for the parish? How can we still stay visible as pastors as shepherds to our flock? Um, I think it will it will require uh, many, many changes and a lot of creativity. One of the things that I'm currently um, thinking of, creativity, is uh, is about the children and the families. Because we can stream masses, uh, but usually when, at least in, in most of our parish churches here, when there's a mass, there are also children. So we have a moment where we talk with the children. They may have part of their of mass that they... Uh, they go in a group with someone who will read the gospel to them in their own language, etc. And then they come back in the in the um, in the Eucharist and tell us what they've what they've done and what they talked about. All that interaction with children is completely gone right now, and it's something you can't really do when you're streaming mass live. So I'm thinking, well, I want to create something for kids that they can watch with their parents every weekend, and that will continue faith formation. And I think it needs to be video because children, and there is a lot that you can download. There are lots of websites and blogs that are offering ideas for parents. So this is what you can do with your kids. But if kids are like us, and I think they are, they also sometimes want to escape from their, from, from their parents and, and, and step into a different world. And um, so I feel that, that, that I am in a position where I know how to make television. I know how to make quality video. But I think that um, for kids, we need to do something more than just give parents some ideas. I mean, I love the idea of a, a home church, and uh, I, I, I think there are very positive sides to parents having to give faith formation to their kids. They're more involved. But I'm not sure that all parents are able to do that. And I'm also not sure that it always works. If I look at my own faith formation as a kid, my mom was very involved in the parish. She had a children's choir. She tried to teach us lots of stuff. But very often we were resisting that. It was like, oh, mom, come on. We just want to play with Legos. And uh, it was easier for us to accept uh, catechesis from our pastor in church than it was to get it from our parents. Because, well... We're stuck with our parents all the time, so oh, we just wanted to have a break from time to time. Uh, something tells me that if, if we would come up with... So I have some... This morning I, I developed some ideas with Inge uh, over a Skype call, and now I'm going to involve a number of people to continue kind of brainstorming about this, developing something. And then what we need to find is uh, a few partners that can make this happen because that will require time and it will require equipment and uh, script writers and stuff because there's no way that I can do that in addition to what I'm already doing. So, um, but I'm also, I'm even thinking about ways to do this 
also for an international audience, just like I did with the Lego uh, videos where we made a Dutch version and I made an English version, some videos even in Russian and in, in, uh, in Italian and in French. Uh, maybe I can come up with a formula that, um, that could work in multiple languages, which would make it easier to finance it, to find partners who would want to help me realize this. Um, and it will also, of course, create a bigger audience for, for the same work. So anyway, I'll keep you up to speed with that. For now, I think we've talked enough about uh, what's going on in my life. I think we need to all step away a little bit from reality and talk about movies and TV shows. Because next to video games, for me, that is the best way to escape all these news updates about corona and about people in quarantine and the economy going down the drain. And it's like, oh, thank goodness for Netflix, thank goodness for Blu-rays, because I can just step away from it all and be on the bridge of the Enterprise, for instance. <laughs> How do you not like movies? They're predictable. Like, the guy gets the girl and that kid sees dead people and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a movication. I'm going to give it to you. So yesterday, I got a, a box from Amazon that contained a ton of X-Men movies. Uh, not only the original three X-Men uh, movies with uh, Patrick Stewart and, uh, gosh, who else played in there? Uh, par uh, 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 what's his name? Par uh, the guy who plays Darth Maul. In, this, in the first movie, he plays this, this frog-like creature. Um, and uh, who else is in there? Uh, Haley Berry. Um, of course... Wolverine is uh, Hugh, what's his name? Uh, I'm not even going to try to, to list the cast. <laughs> Ian McKellen, of course, is playing uh, not Gandalf, but uh, Magneto, a very evil guy right now. And I haven't, so those three movies are still for me the classics. That, that was one of the first times that we actually saw a, a reasonably successful transition of a comic book to a a blockbuster movie. They did very, very well. Marvel uh, was much later that they actually started to be successful with these comic book-based movies. So X-Men always has a special place in my heart, even though the movies had their flaws, but I just loved seeing a comic book turn into a pretty good special effects movie. Um, but this box also has uh, some of the in-between movies that were more f uh, centered on Wolverine's story. And it's got, the, I think, the two first young X-Men movies, the ones with the younger cast, uh, where they actually did recast also Magneto and uh, Professor Xavier, uh, the, those two roles. But they also included the original actors um, to kind of tie it all together. Uh, they're fun movies. And so I started watching the first one. I was actually surprised how much, how well it holds up. It feels very watchable. There's a little bit of the, the cinematography that feels a bit dated. Um, and you can tell that it was filmed on just regular film. There's a, a lot of grain in some, in some scenes. A lot of it takes place uh, in the evening. Um, so it's not as razor sharp uh, as, uh, or should I say, Wolverine claw sharp as uh, uh, the more recent movies, but it still looks pretty good. 
So I'm going to work my way through the X-Men series, and then I'm going to use that as a new kind of uh, reacquaintance with the X-Men universe. And I, wanna, I have a few comic books on uh, Marvel Unlimited lined up to read after this. There are some very cool uh, comic book series with the X-Men that I, that I want to read. But I first want to kind of plunge myself into the X-Men world again. Uh, Ray Parks, that was the name. Thank you, Alex, in the chat. Uh, Ray Parks. Uh, still hope to see him back in action in a Star Wars series, maybe in the future on Disney+. Plus. I don't know. I was a little bit sur surprised and also saddened to hear that uh, the rumor that was making the rounds over a remake, uh, or not a remake, but as a sequel to uh, the Han Solo movie, so Solo 2 for Disney+, Plus, that that was actually not going to happen, or at least it's not uh, in development right now. And... I was so hoping for that. I think Disney Plus is the perfect platform for a for a release like that. They could make it maybe lower budget than if they would have a, a theatrical release. And I think a lot of people would like to see what happens next. That story was unfinished. And especially with the appearance of Darth Maul at the end. Whoa, that needs a resolution. We want to see more of Darth Maul. But, oh well, maybe... Maybe it's a little bit too early for that sort of stuff. There is a lot in development on Disney Plus right now. Um, they're kind of giving us these tidbits with the Clone Wars, but um, we're all waiting for the return of Baby Yoda, of course, <laughs> the child, and also the the uh, Rogue One prequel. I am very curious to hear what they're going to do with that one. Um, and then, of course, we've got the Obi-Wan series, but that one was pushed to next year for filming. In hindsight, of course... A perfect decision. They were plan they were scheduled to to start filming that in I think in the summer or maybe after the summer, but there was of course no way that they could uh, make that happen. But next year, that may be totally possible. So, but that makes us wait a little longer. Um, then I also checked out a phenomenon right now, and I still don't know exactly why. But it is the number one Netflix show right now all over the world, and it's called Tiger King. Now, <laughs> let me see if I can find a trailer to play. Tiger King is a documentary series. I think it's about seven episodes um, about uh, a, a, a guy who has a private zoo um, where he uh, takes care of a lot of tigers and all, all sorts of other cat-like creatures. Um but he's also extremely exotic himself and kind of a very, very... Uh, we call them paradise birds. You know, these people that are just too... They're too strange for real life. They're, they're bigger than life. And, and then the uh, documentary series tells the story of how he started that, far, that uh, zoo. Um, and uh, also tells a parallel story of a woman who works for a, an organization that tries to save these, these animals from private-owned zoos like that. Uh, so she's all for the protection of these tigers and and uh, starts a war against that initiative. And then, so the entire series ends actually with a very violent... Uh, I won't spoil it if you want to check it out, but it, 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 it gets worse and worse and worse, and it's compelling viewing. I've watched two episodes now, and I, I can't stop watching. I totally understand why this is so successful. And it is about nothing. It's just about a very strange dude raising tigers. Um, 
But I think because it's so outlandish, because it's so weird, and it's a relatively small story in a certain way, it's just about these this this war going on between these two people um, that are both trying to care for tigers, but still, you know, get into this huge conflict. Um, it is it's the perfect recipe for uh, that we all need right now to, to to step away from corona if you if the world is reduced to you know the the war between two tiger loving people um and it's all about these tigers and um it, it, it makes you forget that there are actually much bigger things going on right now in the world so i'm going to look for the trailer of the tiger king uh, and I think I can play that safely here. Um, it, so the subtitle of the of the series is Murder, Mayhem, and Madness. Official trailer. Well, that's actually... <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure if it will play here, but I'm going to give it a try. There you it's go. not every day that a zookeeper... Oh, well, it's still buffering here. I'm on Wi-Fi, and it's uh, the Wi-Fi is a little bit uh, problematic right now. So I'll just let it buffer a little bit more. Put it on maybe on lower resolution. I think that actually today, the uh, YouTube is deliberately lowering the overall quality of uh, of YouTube, at least here in Europe. And I think Disney is going to follow suit. I haven't heard of, of Netflix uh, because everybody is working from home, so we all need to use the same uh, the same Wi-Fi. Uh, and this may be also one of the reasons that. Uh, YouTube is buffering a little bit. Let's see if I can play at least one minute of this. Went to prison for murder for hire. Oh, let me just Terrible. rewind that because I think he says something important. Oh, come on. It's not yeah. every day that a zookeeper went to prison for murder for hire. There are more captive tigers in the U.S. than there are in the wild throughout the world. Animal people are nuts, man. They're all crazy. I'm sure y'all got a story to tell. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Joe Exotic, and this is Sarge. He was like a mythical character living out in the middle of bumfuck Oklahoma who owned 1,200 tigers and lions and bears and shit. Come here, love me. <laughs> Matt Spoken, good looking, love to party and have fun. I don't think we're done blowing shit up today. I don't figure you are. <laughs> okay. As you can tell, there's a little bit of language in this series. learned from them. But Carol Baskin keeps saying, I can't have these tigers. If he ever had an enemy in his life, it was Carol Baskin. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens, it's Carol at Big Cat Rescue. Carol is the Mother Teresa of cats. We will end the Mother Teresa of cats. This is my way of living, and nobody's going to tell me any otherwise. Well, <laughs> of course she is. And that's why this is a little, little, uh, uh, Part of the of the trailer, um, what what is so fun about this series and so uh, extraordinary is that this guy who owns the tiger, so the guy who calls himself the Tiger King, um, he was very he loved to be in the center of all the attention, and so he has been filming everything he did. Like every day, he would record hours and hours and hours of footage, and this documentary is in in a way also a reconstruction of what happened, and so. They've been able to use all that archived footage that he had uh, for this documentary. Otherwise, it would be very hard to make something like this. But you you see the, what the story is telling, um, and I think the documentary makers did a terrific job 
kind of using all that material which wasn't shot professionally and com to combine it with quality interviews and very good storytelling. The editing is out of this world good. And so I'm, I'm also watching this and learning at the same time. It's like, wow, so that's how you can use existing footage and tell a compelling story. This is really, really quality storytelling. Um, as you may have gathered from the 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 language in the trailer, not necessarily something for kids, uh, <laughs> but but it's fun. It's fun. I can uh, I can recommend it. So the Tiger King on Netflix. Um, if you have any other suggestions um, for me to watch or to check out, if there's something that you are excited about and you would like me to check out, whether it's a movie or a TV show, um, if it's available here on, on, on Amazon Prime or on Netflix, I'll, uh, I'll take a look at it and I may discuss it in one, in a future episode of this show. So let me know on social. <laughs> Catholics rock! Here at The Peculiar Ones, we're always happy to tell you everything you always wanted to know about Catholics, but you were afraid to ask. Catholics can be a peculiar bunch. No meat on Friday. No meat? What do they eat? Light bulbs? Well, I think it is maybe a good moment to talk a little bit about uh, the big question that we all have. How do we keep God in our lives when our churches are closed? Man, you guys got more crazy rules than Blockbuster Video. Like many of you, I really value the fact that we have churches and that we have communal celebrations there because not only is it for me an occasion to give and to preach and to uh, spread the word with a, uh, with a capital W, um, but it's also for me a place where I can be nourished, where I can be inspired by the songs that the choir sing, by our common prayer. There is something uh, that is supremely uh, valuable, I think, in these real-life meetings that we have in church. And I, I value it so much more now that we can't have it anymore. Now that I have to celebrate Mass by myself in an almost empty church, maybe from time to time I may have an acolyte or a, or a cantor, someone who sings, but that's about it. The entire church is empty. And I've started to notice that it is, for me, it, it robs me also of inspiration myself. I was very happy uh, last Sunday to have uh, Father Mauricio over. So he celebrated Sunday Mass in Dutch. So I could listen to his homily. I was so glad. I was like, oh, finally I, I have someone who can inspire me. Um, and for the rest of Holy Week and Easter, we've uh, we've made similar plans. So uh, from time to time, Father Mauricio will come over, and other times our Polish priest, uh, Father Joachim, will uh, celebrate some of those uh, masses. And well, that's for me. It's also a way to reconnect with other people that can nourish my faith. Um, but I think for for my parishioners and maybe also for you, it is quite a challenge to keep God in your life and to give him a place when you can't, when you don't have that communal support anymore. So what are good ways to, faith is a relationship and social distancing is necessary right now in our society, but don't turn that into social distancing with God. 
God wants to be even closer to you. But it is a relationship, so you do need to to take measures to make sure that he stays close and that you keep him in your life. And uh, I, I just wanted to go over a few of the things that have helped me in the past to nourish that relationship. The first tip that I would have is create um, create a space in your house. It can be in the living room, can be in your uh, bedroom, or I don't know, maybe even in the hallway if you don't have that much space, but create a little house altar. The other day, and I'll talk a little bit more about this in uh, Father Roderick to the Max, um, I, I went for a walk in China, literally. I used uh, uh, an app on my Oculus Quest uh, that enables you to walk around in any part of the world. And it's based on, on Google Earth. And it was fantastic. So I just picked a random location and it dropped me in the middle of a Chinese village that was clearly um, restored for tourists. And I walked around in this uh, Chinese town that looks the same way it looked probably several centuries ago. And so I walked from one room to another and you had these little streets with beautiful uh, red lanterns and everything. And what struck me was that every house had a house altar, oftentimes in the most important room. When you entered the house, on the left or on the right would be this small cupboard and it would have uh, the painting of uh, a, a deity or an ancestor or whatever. They would have placed candles around it, um, sometimes even gifts. Uh, like fruit or some objects that they would offer to their ancestors, and and I was thinking, whoa, this is this is actually a very good example for all of us. The, the, this keeps in the, the, this ancestral um, uh, uh, vener veneration of ancestors that is very important to to the, in, in Chinese culture. For them, it's a way to keep these ancestors visible in their home by creating this little house altar. And I'm thinking, well, we could do the same in our own, and maybe you already have that, so then this is not for you. But if you haven't, you don't have to always go to church to, to visualize faith. You can do that in your own home as well. So why don't you take that as a challenge for this upcoming week? It's Holy Week. Make a holy place in your own home. Open up some space and, and create a little altar. And you and be creative. You know, make it as nice as... You can even turn it into a mini chapel. Uh, and if you don't have statues that you can put in there of saints or whatever, um, download something from the internet and print it out on your, on your color printer and, and put it in a nice... Uh, 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 how do you call it? Like a picture holder or something, something like that. And even if you can't print something out... You can also use your phone, just look for a holy picture and, and put it on a stand and burn a, a candle there while you're praying. So that would be, that would be my, my suggestion. Create a space. I would say do it in a room where you often come. So it reminds you constantly uh, that there is this presence in your life that goes beyond the people that you live with. And a place where you can also when things get hard, when you struggle, when there you've been in a fight with your husband or wife or kids, that you can you can place what's worrying you, what's making life hard, you can put it physically in, you know, on 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 God's desk in a certain way. So the altar is a place. That's that's kind of what I took away from the Chinese home altars. It's just they, they bring their gifts there, little things that they want to 
the, the, the altar symbolizes the kind of this conduit with the heavens, right? Well, that totally works in, in a Catholic context as well, where you can, uh, even Pope Francis uh, has told many times that he has in his room, in his private apartment, a statue of St. Joseph who is sleeping. So it's a, a horizontal statue of, of Joseph on his side, and he was just like sleeping calmly. And whenever Pope Francis is worried about something, and well, he's the Pope, so he probably has some worries now, he writes it on a small paper and he slips it underneath the statue of St. Joseph to ask Joseph for his intercession. And, and he takes uh, solace of seeing St. Joseph, who had maybe the biggest responsibility that a father could have in life, that is to take care of little infant Jesus. Uh, so he had to protect the savior of the world. How about that in terms of, uh, you know, parents' duties? Um, but the, Pope Francis says that it, it comforts him to see that even St. Joseph needs his sleep and that he ha he kind of radiates that statue radiates a certain confidence a certain faith in god that you you are you don't have to carry the world god does and so i i love that idea and so even the even pope francis has his own little home altar his house altar in his private apartments even though you know he lives next door to to saint peter's basilica <laughs> so that would be one tip the second tip is structure is what we need in all areas of life right now, but create moments that are sacred during the day and during the week. So for instance, one way to do that is by tuning in to your local parish if they're streaming mass. Make that a sacred moment. Don't sit on the couch eating chips or, <laughs> or, or drinking coffee, but make that a sacred moment. Light a candle, uh, put the laptop or whatever you use to watch mass, put that Surround it with maybe flowers or something like that. Um, make the sign of the cross. Stand when you would stand normally during Mass as well. So make the movements. Kneel uh, after communion, even though it's just spiritual communion. But still, uh, help your, your body and your psyche to enter into the moment. Make it, don't forget about these rituals just because you're not in church. You can do that at home, especially if you're with younger kids. You can invite them to, to, to do that as well and just enter into the moment. Uh, but you can also do that during the day by creating these small sacred moments of morning prayer or uh, maybe at noon. We have this beautiful prayer in the Catholic tradition, which is the Angelus. It's what the Pope prays every Sunday. Look it up. Google it. It's the Angelus prayer, and pray that. And when you hear the bell, you know maybe you have a clock in the home that will that will toll its bells when it's uh, noon. Say that little prayer. Uh, not so long ago, people would pray that three times a day. Uh, so I think it's six o'clock in the morning, noon, and then six o'clock in the evening. Little rituals to create create uh, a sacred sacred to to Add a sacred layer to your life. You can also do that with study, by the way, or just reading a book. It's the same thing. Um, don't just read a book whenever you feel like it, but you can create a moment during the day, even if it's just 15 minutes, where it's this that's your reading moment. You sit in your favorite reading chair and read a chapter of a book you like or read part of a, a, a Bible story or something like that. There are so many little things that you can do to bring a certain rhythm to the day, a certain structure 
that will be almost like a like a crutch. Is it a crutch? Yeah, something that keeps you upright, that, that gives you a certain, uh, almost a skeleton. Uh, a skeleton, if, if we didn't have a skeleton, or we would just be this puddle of, uh, <laughs> of, 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 uh, of fat and meat. Um, but that, that skeleton keeps us upright and helps us to carry ourselves around. Well, the same is true for structure in, during the day. Uh, and, and the sacred structure uh, is also something that can help you uh, stay, stay upright uh, when it comes to your, uh, to your spiritual life. That, that, those are two tips. If you have any other tips, um, let me know via social media and I will share them in the next episode of this show. Speaking of books... When did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics? Last night. The packet. The extraction theory papers. Am I the only one who did the reading? I have just started to read a new book. Um, I kind of gave up on the, the, um, the saga of the, of the thieves um that i was reading it just i it didn't i couldn't focus on it it was very frustrating um so instead i switched um to another book uh, that i heard good things about it was on sale in the amazon kindle store um and it's written by michael j sullivan um and it's called theft of swords it is part one i think of a trilogy if i'm not mistaken so theft of swords, um, and it is a much better experience than the other book. What was the other book? Let me look it up here on uh, my storytell. So I've got both the, the the book book, well, not the book book. I've got the Kindle book, and I've got the audiobook version of it. And so I can switch depending on uh, uh, on on the time of day and if I'm running on the treadmill upstairs I listen to the audiobook so yeah I, so I stopped reading the lies of Locke Lamora uh, by Scott Lynch uh, because I don't know I, I couldn't focus on it it didn't grab me as much and I started reading theft of swords and um, right now I'm actually quite happy with it it, it, it reads well it's uh, it's an easy read um, it's got some engaging characters likable um, and I'm trying to see if I can play a little bit of the audiobook because it's also available on Audible, and it is actually pretty good. Um, Theft of Swords, it's, it's fantasy, uh, but it also has some more, um, uh, let's say, modern aspects in the, the way the story is told, so it's not like hardcore uh, fantasy. Um and even if it's no longer on sale right now, it's it's only ten bucks, and it is uh, six hundred ninety four pages. So you got a lot of pages for just ten bucks. Um, so here's a little bit of the Audible book, and so you get an idea of what that sounds like. And it looked like our arm might be growing tired. I claim the big sword that fellow has on his back. Flatnose said, "Looks right about my size." I'll take the other two he's carrying. This came from one with a scar that divided his face at a slight angle, crossing the bridge of his nose just high enough to save his eye. The girl aimed the point of her arrow at Royce. I want the little one's cloak. I'd look good in a fine black hood like that. So this is not the author that reads it, but it is well read, and it's, a, it's one of those voices, and, and I really... Uh, 
I think is important when it comes to audiobooks. This is a voice that I can listen to for a very long time. Um, sometimes uh, w- with I had that with uh, uh, Wheel of Time, where they will have uh, most of the stories told by a male narr- narrator, but then for some other parts, especially when there are, uh, when the story is told from a female perspective, um, they switch to this lady that is reading the book, and I I just can't stand her voice. <laughs> it's it's just this grating voice. Um, the 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 the, the ba- main narrator has this very warm voice. Sounds like someone who lives himself in a fairy tale world, and and just the woman that they ch- chose to read the other chapters doesn't work. It's not a pleasant voice to listen to, and so that that is a bit off putting. And I've I actually gotten to the point where when whenever I hear her voice, I switch to the. <laughs> to the written book because I, I just skip the I, I will read it myself so I have this inner voice and then I switch back to the narrator and that can be also the other way around of course when you have a very good female voice and then the male voice is just not not pleasant to listen to but with theft of sorts um, I think it's, it's a very good um, uh, I, I like I like the style in which it's narrated it's uh, uh, so what is the book about um, I'll just read the uh, brief introduction on Amazon. Royce Melbourne, a skilled thief, and his mercenary partner, Hadrian Blackwater, make a profitable li- living carrying out dangerous assignment, assignments for conspiring nobles until they are hired to pilfer a famed sword. That's the call to adventure. Um, what appears to be just a simple job finds them framed for the murder of the king and trapped in a conspiracy that uncovers a plot far greater than the mere overthrow of a tiny kingdom. Can a self-serving thief and an idealistic swordsman survive long enough to unravel the first part of an ancient mystery that has toppled kings and destroyed empires? And so begins the first tale of treachery and adventure, sword fighting and magic, myth and legend. I love that intro. That's a perfect introduction. That makes me want to know the rest of the story. So uh, that's what I'm currently reading. I will give you an update, of course, in future episodes. How uh, if if this is this first impression, this first very positive impression, will last through the book. And with that, it is time to move over to the world of science fiction because we need to talk about uh, well, Star Trek, among other things. Because I wrapped up watching Star Trek Picard, and I have some thoughts that I want to share with you. Now, this m- I will try to keep it spoiler-free, because I know that some of you haven't watched the entire series yet, but... Well, you should. I see aliens. Little aliens from outer space. And how are things in outer Plutonia? How many times have I told you not to wear your space boots in the house? Go to shape. I mean, you can donate my body to science fiction. Get your suit on. We need you. So, the first season of Picard is a wrap, and what a season it was! This, of course, was a show uh, that uh, everybody was looking forward to because who didn't want to see their favorite captain back on the screen? And uh, the writing was very different from Discovery. I have to say that this is the kind of storytelling that I like a lot more than Discovery. I mean, Discovery is great, and it's a series that that I I I love. I like. Love is maybe a bit too big, but I really like it. Sometimes in storytelling, a little bit too convoluted. Um, what I appreciate of Discovery is the team. 
Um, this is not one single person with uh, having the lead, but this is a group of people, and you start to kind of like certain of the characters on the bridge. But there the, also has a weakness in that there are some characters in Discovery that I have disliked from the beginning, and not just because they're bad guys, but just because of, I don't know, the acting style and the writing. And um, that is that hasn't changed much. So there are also a few characters in that series that I... Ugh, I don't care about it at all. And uh, it detracts from the overall vibe of the series. It's not like The Next Generation where I really liked everyone on the bridge. Uh, even Voyager, in a certain way, I had more sympathy for the, for the people on, on Voyager, even though that was also a flawed series, I think, in terms of character development. Um, but with Discovery, there are some just some uh, characters that kind of turn me off. It's like, eh. Get, why can't that person have its own her of her or her own show? Anyway, so but Picard is very different. Picard Picard is really driven by the main character, Patrick Stewart's character, um, and even though there is also a crew um, of reasonably likable characters, it's very much without Picard you don't have a show. So very early in the show, it is revealed, and I'm not spoiling that much here, that Picard has a terminal disease. Um, and that is something that is developed uh, towards the end. And uh, that's when you realize that the series without Patrick Stewart would not work at all. You really need him. And so uh, that is, uh, that's, that, it's a good thing to end with in, in this final episode where you realize that, yes, we all need Picard. We really need him to be on the bridge and we need to hear him say, engage. <laughs> so, uh, but the, it's not to... to um, uh, to diminish the contribution of the actual crew. Um, I really like what they did. They're, they're, it's just not the typical Star Trek crew of people, and that is also the reason why this series has turned off some of the Star Trek fans. Uh, I know a few of people in my own friends list that are really put off by this series, and they're like, ah, that it's not Star Trek. It's not. It just doesn't feel like Star Trek. It's too... Um, it's... Uh, it, it, there are certain Star Trek tropes, even when it comes to the characters in Star Trek, and if you step away too far from it, then it 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 lose it stops being Star Trek. And I don't agree with that. I think what I I think the Star Trek universe and this the the overall mythology of Star Trek is strong enough to to. Um, uh, to, well, to, to carry something a little bit out of the classic formula of, of, of Star Trek. And I think that what with this crew around Picard, um, they'd really break out of, the, of our expectations. And that, I think, creates fascinating storytelling. Fascinating. Um, it, it makes you... You don't take things for granted in Picard. There are, there are a few twists in this first season that I absolutely didn't see coming. Um, and that worked really well because it was like, oh, wow. With Picard in this series, you can't really... Uh, it's, it's not what you expect. And so that, it keeps you on the edge. What, what are they going to do in season two? Uh, how are they going to surprise surprises? What I also like about the characters in, in Picard is they're all flawed. This is a, a pretty dark series at times. That's also one of the reasons that people... Some people dislike it because it's too dark. 
Um, Star Trek is supposed to be about optimism, and in these times of the coronavirus, we need, you know, an optimistic series about the future. Um, but but the the reality of uh, Starfleet and even Picard's personal situation is not all rose colored. Um, all the characters have made big mistakes in the past, and some do make mistakes and and uh, do very apprehensible thi uh, things. Uh, in in this uh, in the course of this first season, but it makes them much more interesting. Um, the series is is I think I liked it a lot. I really liked it more than Discovery, and that's saying a lot because I liked Discovery. But uh, Picard, I love. I really love what 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 they did with the series. I also love the individual performances. Um, there, there, but there are still a few flaws. Um, how can I talk about those flaws without spoiling anything? Well, well, let's put it this way. The series started off really big, uh, very filmic. I was, I felt like every episode felt like a movie. Uh, and not necessarily just a Star Trek movie. It felt like a real genuine theatrical release. So the acting was that good and the dialogue was that good. But towards the end, in the final few episodes, all of a sudden this, the, the show does not deliver on what it promises. So it's almost as if the series becomes smaller again. The sets even, the, the set of the final location, for those of you that have seen it, know what I'm talking about, it felt like, oh, they just went to this place where there was this villa and they just rented the, the place for a couple of weeks and shot everything there. But it feel, doesn't feel big enough for the story. Um, they go to this planet and there you know a few episodes ago they were hyping it up it's like this extraordinary place with you know i don't know how many planets and suns and everything and you go to the planet and it's just like uh any any other place at the los angeles coastline and it's like okay this is not really very impressive. <laughs> it's in, come on we've been traveling to this place for so many weeks and now it's just this set that they rented it, it, it just a little bit uh, visually a bit disappointing um, plot wise too they are setting up big things big things well again this is not a spoiler because it's in every trailer but th there is this Borg cube right and a lot of the series takes place on the inside of this Borg cube and, and it's awesome what they do uh, they are bringing back two characters from TG TNG, um, and they give them a good, a, a pretty good story. Could have been better, but but then they're setting up this Borg cube as being so important, and maybe there is something going on with the Romulans and the Borg that has to do with this overall plot, and it's this mystery that is unraveling, and it, at the end, in the final episode, it turns out, no, no. The, yeah, there's a Borg cube, but doesn't really play a role at all in the finale. And yes, we have all these Borgs and there's some pretty terrible things happening to the Borg. And you, you but it doesn't have any consequences. So I was like, well, what is going on? You were sitting, this was promising so much. What we get is okay. It's a, it's a good conclusion. This is definitely one of the best first seasons of, of any Star Trek uh, series. Much better than the first season of Discovery. But... 
you could have really paid off some of the stuff that you're setting up. And I don't really see how they're going to carry this on to the next season. So it's not that, well, we're, we, haven't, we haven't given away everything. Like in The Mandalorian, there's definitely, they're, they're, they're giving us hints that point to the second season. And even though we didn't get a payoff in, in the finale of season one, you know that they will come back to this. That's not the case with the Borg in this case. Uh, the Romulans probably... But I was a bit disappointed there. I was like, well, I liked the finale. I actually was really enthusiastic about it. But after giving it some more thought, I was like, wait a minute. I'm still, there are things that, it feels a bit rushed, even production-wise, the way it looks, but also the storytelling feels a bit rushed. So I'm, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if that's actually one of the reasons of the way in which they finish this this uh, finale maybe they ran out of, uh, ran out of time maybe they ran, ran out of budget and so they had to go to a real location to shoot instead of building uh, i don't know a green screen uh cgi enhanced uh, set i don't know we'll, we'll probably learn more about how this first season came about i think they're off on a good start um i'm i'm definitely rooting for this new crew there are some fantastic characters in that new crew and um together with patrick stewart i think that that it's going to be a big hit um we know that they will continue at least for two more seasons because that that's already uh greenlit so that is very cool it does not help the finale to know that picard will go on for two more seasons that's all i'm going to say about it but it is uh <laughs> it's a little bit of extra knowledge that we have that doesn't help the dramatic storytelling in the in the in the final episode enough 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 we need to wrap things up because i'm already on the verge of spoiling too much let me know what you thought about uh, star trek and in the meantime i will let you know what is going to be the contents of father roderick to the max this new show that I'm launching for my patrons over at patreon.com slash fatherodrick. In Father Roderick to the Max this week, I will give my review of a very fun board game that I've recently discovered, and that is called Tang Garden. Tang, T-A-N-G Garden. Uh, this is a perfect time for all locked up in our houses to play some board games, so that may be a board game that you may want to check out with your friends or family. Um, also, in Father Roderick to the Max, a neat trick to use your iPhone as a wireless camera for live streaming. So, I will tell you how to do that in, uh, in this show. I also speak at length about my recent adventures in VR. I've, yesterday, I had the, f the m most fun I've ever had with a VR headset. Uh, while trying out uh, this app to walk around in China, but I also have a few more apps that I've uh, recently purchased and that absolutely blew my mind. That's how good it was as an experience. And I will give a review of a very cool Star Trek comic book series uh, that, I've, that I'm currently reading on Comixology. That and more in Father Roderick to the Max. If you want to check out, if you want to get access to that extra podcast, then make sure to join the community of patrons over at patreon.com slash fatherroderick. How's that for a teaser? <laughs> All right. I'll be back uh, soon with more shows here on tridio.com, T-R-I-D-E-O.com. Stay subscribed, stay safe, stay healthy, and may God bless you. 